Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Brave, Powerful and Free podcast with me, Rachel Yvonne. Hi everyone, I'm so glad that you're joining me today. So I have a really special guest with me today that I have really wanted to speak to um, after following him on Instagram, um, hearing him teach at YLC conference with Mark Moore, and also just um, being on the app and so on and so forth. So um, he's going to introduce himself right now and tell us who he is, where he's from and what he does. Yeah, my name is Brian Meadows, and thank you so much, Yvonne, for the opportunity, uh, for the space, and for the grace to, you know, share what the Lord has put on our heart. But um, I'm a pastor. I'm a senior pastor. Um, my gifting is that of an uh, of an apostle. I travel. Uh, I do ministry. I've been traveling. I've been preaching since I was 16. Um, I started preaching in October of 2005, and I've been preaching ever since. And I'm a creative. I'm an actor. I got my degree in acting. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a husband. I'm a father. Uh, I'm, I'm just... Uh, uh, my passion is just to see Christianity become tangible in culture, uh, to see the creativity of the believer really on the forefront of the church, uh, offering innovative solutions and strategies as it relates to how the church can solve the problems of the 21st century. That's my passion, pulling out people's potential, seeing them walk in the fullness of their gifting, their calling, their purpose. Uh, that's what really makes me wake up every single day. And so that's my passion. That's what I do. That's who I am. Amen. I love that. I love what you said about pulling out what's inside of them because I have this thing about believing that, um, you know, that there are many creatives around who are modern day Josephs and Daniels and that we are right. just there to facilitate the pharaohs and the Nebuchadnezzars of our land who don't understand what they've been given, but we are there to interpret it cre- um, correctly. And so I love that you said that about, you know, your vision. Um, and I didn't know you, you studied acting gosh that i'm yeah. glad i'm learning something new today yeah 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 i got my degree in acting my first degree was um i started going uh, going to school for mass communications for video for film uh for directing and i i had to take an acting class as a part of my major and when i took that acting class uh the a teacher, I almost called him a pastor because he actually was an ordained Presbyterian minister, but he was also a director. He still works in Atlanta. He does plays. He's a screenwriter. He's an author. And he just a- absolutely changed my life because here is this man who embodies uh, the perfect blend of spirituality, art, uh, entertainment, but education at the same time. And I had no, I had never seen somebody take all of those disciplines or all of those graces and kind of put them into one package. It's something that I wanted to do, but I never saw it done. And so when I took his class and I saw how he was able to just seamlessly blend all of these different graces and, and, and perspectives and functions, uh, it really just, you know, it, it convicted me. It, it made me feel like I shouldn't limit uh, what God can do in my life. I, I, I don't need to just try to uh, get a major that coincides with what I feel like I'm called to do. Hey, go after whatever I feel like God has called me to go after. And so I ended up switching my, my major after about two and a half years, which set me back. It actually set me back. I was supposed to graduate uh, maybe a year and a half earlier, but it took me almost a year and a half uh, more to finish my degree just because I switched my major. But it was something I felt like I should do. And I did it and I don't regret it at all, at all. Yeah, I know, you know what? Um, one thing I'm realizing is that there's no such thing as too late and there's no such thing as, you know, really 
and truly I've learned that I don't really believe in regrets or wrong turnings. Right. I just feel like we learn as we go along. And even though you might, you know, we look back and we're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that degree or I wish I'd done blah, blah, blah. But in actual fact, all of those things actually help to shape you to be the man that you are today and give you extra insight into making decisions and into, you know, sometimes taking a detour because then you're able to educate your saints and other people that you mentor into those decisions because you've also done the same thing. 100%. 100%. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. And I feel like the authenticity of your story as well and um, is really what makes, one of the things that I always like to say is that you are you and that is your superpower. And it literally is that the uniqueness that we all carry and the authenticity that we carry that with is really what makes a difference. Um, And you mentioned something about not seeing it done before. And I think as creatives, that's a big thing. Is that one of the reasons why you you definitely feel called to kind of serve and mentor and um, teach um, creatives? Yeah, I mean, 100%. Our journeys are never... um, uh, mass produced. They're never carbon copied. They're never like, uh, you know, just Xerox. Our journeys are unique. And I think that if you're going to create or if you're going to have an authentic grace or walk in an authentic, uh, an authentic assignment, uh, you got to have an authentic story. You got to have an authentic history. Uh, you know, our problem today is that because of social media, we only ever see people's highlights. We never see people's uh, dark rooms where they're developed, where they're mm. uh, engineered, where they're built. We never see their journey. And so because of that, we think that success is short lived or we think that success is uh uh, you know, just that is that it happens just like that. That is right. overnight successes. That you know, tomorrow we can go from being nobody to something, and it's always a process. And the process is there to prepare you. The process is there to shape you. The process is there to fortify, to crystallize your character, so you can handle the levels that God has called you to. The journey is important. And once we get, once we understand that the journey is more important than the destination, that God uses the journey much more than He uses the destination we won't be in such a rush to get where we're going but we'll slow down and we'll enjoy the journey so i'm enjoying the journey i'm i'm i'm, I'm grateful for god's faithfulness and uh, his ability to just open up doors that i've never thought about to take me places i've never dreamed about and to see you know to see god glorified by using every one of my gifts and every one of my talents it's it's a, it's a, it's a joy it's awesome i love that <laughs> this is so funny because I- I've said that so many times about God uses all of our gifts and that it's okay to use all of our gifts in order to, you know, I don't believe that he would give us the gifts that we have, the creativity that we have and not expect us to use them. That he is, he is extravagant, but not wasteful. You know, the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes down from our Father of Lights. Every gift that we have, gifting does not come with morality, uh, nor does it come with agenda. Gifts are, um, are, are, are gifts, right? Like whether you can sing, whether you can preach, whether you can write, uh, God doesn't give those gifts and there's an agenda attached to them, right? Like there's no uh, innate moral uh, position uh, for writing or singing or anything, uh, but God gives us those gifts and God expects when we get born again, for all of those gifts to be given to him, for us to take those gifts like crowns and to lay them before him so he can use them for whatsoever he will. So you're 100% right. God wants to use all of our gifts, not just the ones that fit in church. 
a whole that now that's good and I think I think you you were saying about when you were at university at college and um seeing a minister show you something that you hadn't seen before I think this is important um that oftentimes we try to fit ourselves into boxes um I think predominantly I would say in in the black church um we we do like things a certain way we like it to look a certain way we like it to sound a certain way otherwise it's not God or it's not you know the socially acceptable way to be um and so sometimes we do have to go outside in order to see and then come back and show other people um would you say that's kind of like been your experience oh 100 i mean i think it's the journey um is how god cultivates the creative you can see it in the life of moses uh when moses is born in exodus chapter two the bible says that his parents saw that he was a goodly child that he he the uh the jews believe that he shined with light that's what the legend of the jews says that he was radiating that there was a level of grace and a level of light that was illuminating from his life that emphasized his goodness or emphasized that god wanted to do something significant with him. And so the first thing that Jochebed and Amram did, which were Moses's parents, the first thing that they did was they hid Moses. They hid him for three and a half months until he could no longer be hid. And then what did they do? They abandoned Moses. They put Moses in a basket and they just pushed him down the river because they did not have the technological resources, nor did they, nor did they have the educational resources to raise Moses. They did not have the proper tools in order to pull out Moses's potential. So God, by his wisdom and by his sovereignty, divined a plan to get Moses to Pharaoh's house because Pharaoh had the technological resources, the educational resources, the financial resources, the relational resources. Uh, Pharaoh had everything that they needed in order to raise this type of gift or to give that gift the suitable environment it needed in order for it to become all that it was designed to become. The problem with raising gifts in the church is that we many times uh, mutate the gift or we many times retard the growth of the gift so that it only fits in church. You know, they say that some fishes only grow to the size of the pond that they're raised in. And it's true of gifts. Gifts grow to the size of the environment that they're raised in. And when you raise a gift only in church, then you bend it, you retard its growth, you mutate its uh, maturity. And so what God did with Moses, God said, I don't want just a church gift. I need a deliverer. I need a prophet. I need a governmental gift. I need somebody that understands the new and the inner workings of Egypt. And the only way I can get that type of gift, I got to remove him from Goshen. I have to take him from his parents. Now hear me, it's going to be abandonment that takes him from his parents. But look at how God begins to negotiate the life of the creative or the life of Moses. He says, Moses, look, I'm going to see you abandonment because I think you can deal with abandonment, but I'm going to raise you miracles, right? In order for you to get this grace that's on your life, you're going to have to go through abandonment. Now, even though abandonment is going to break you psychologically and break you spiritually and break you mentally and break you emotionally, I'm going to allow the journey and the encounters that you have with me in Midian and you being raised up under Jethro and dealing with sheep, I'm going to allow those experiences to override, to superimpose my agenda and my will on the stuff that you went through. And so if you can survive the hiding and if you if you can survive the abandonment, if you can survive the questions of why you and why me, why you didn't grow up with your parents and why you didn't have a normal life and why you couldn't do what every other child was doing, if you can survive that, you can be great. And that's what God did with Moses. And that's what God does to the creator. 
Oh, that's that. Now that is powerful. Guys, I hope you were taking notes during that. Did you hear that? How we can look at the life of Moses and how God allowed different things to happen in his life because it was the root sometimes of us as creators. Do you think, um, Apostle, this is why a lot of times for a lot of creatives, um, myself included, we can sometimes make, um, I guess, relational um uh mistakes you know like be with the wrong person or mm-hmm. fall into sin mm-hmm. or you know these things do happen a lot in our community so do you think that's the reason because we're trying to mutate the gift or we're trying to put ourselves into boxes we don't belong do you yeah. think that might have think, something to do with it yeah i think that is because we don't really understand uh the depth of our excuse me our design I don't think creatives many times understand the depth of their design. Now, in the economy of God and within the kingdom of man, there are different types of gifts, right? Everybody is not a creative. Now, I believe that all of us are creative because the God that created created us is a creative God. So there's going to be creative potential in every human being. The Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy that God has given us power to get wealth. That power is our creativity. Our, that power is our ability uh, to take what others threw away and what others walked over and what others didn't see value in. For us to be creative in our approach, to be uh, um, 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 uh, witty and to be innovative in how we use the things that God gives us so that we can do more with less. So everybody is creative to a degree, but there are some people that are uh, called, designed, kind of really manufactured to be creatives, to take pain and turn it into a product, to take a mess and to turn it into a message, to take heartache and to turn it into something that could help others. And so that's what a creative is. But, but the reason I'm saying that is because a creative has uh, particular propensities and problems. The same way people that are in analytics or in mathematics or in politics, they have their own uh, proclivities and their own issues. Creatives, we struggle in the emotional mental space. Why? Because we are constantly digesting uh, stimuli. We're constantly digesting data. We're constantly uh, digesting information. Like we're constantly taking in colors and sounds and experiences and words. And we're always constantly digesting these for the purpose of, of creating a song, a movie, uh, uh, a new app, a new initiative, or whatever the case may be. So God designs the creation to be able to deal with uh, mass amounts of stimuli. The problem with that is that every time you eat, your body has to digest it. And there's always, in every biological system or in every biological species, there is a way to also intake food, but then, then there's also a way to discard the waste. And many times, because creatives are constantly taking in stimuli, there's not always the proper discarding of stuff that we don't need, feelings we don't need, thoughts that we don't need, conversations and words and pictures and all of that that we don't need. And so many times that emotional mental buildup can cause the creative many problems, whether it's depression, whether it's um, uh, like you talked about, feeling a little bit more sensitive emotionally and mentally, sometimes even spiritually about relationships, us looking for um, uh, fleshly antidotes or fleshly cures for spiritual problems. Um, All of those different kind of things definitely are propensities and problems that are not unique to the human, but they're definitely emphasized in the life of the creative. You're 100% right. Yeah. 
I know yeah. I took a long time to answer that, but yeah. No, no, no. It, no, no. What you said makes complete sense. And it's something that I've always, you know, I've been trying to kind of get to the bottom of and just kind of understand, like, why are we, why is this, you know, why certain things are issues or why is this common amongst us, as the Bible would say. And, um, right. And I think it's true. It's, it's, it is that kind of understanding, also knowing who we are, because a lot of times the identity is a massive issue. So you need to know your triggers, know what you need, know what you, what feeds you. And as you said, the whole, that part of the, of the waste is really important. I hadn't thought of that but look before. At, look at Moses. Like when Moses is born, he has a, sister which is Miriam he ends up having a brother which is Aaron but he's not raised with them while they get a chance to be raised together have a mom have a dad have a sister have a brother have a family Moses is raised in Pharaoh's house all by himself so Moses is gonna um of course Moses is going to have some relational issues Moses is going to have some relational problems this is why if you look at Moses's life he ends up marrying Zipporah which was the daughter of Jethro and he ends up having a son which is Gershom but he doesn't have a good relationship with his son and he doesn't have a good relationship with his wife and so his lack of relational skills or his lack of relational uh, uh, intelligence because of you know just that void uh, when he was being raised up is going to cause relational problems in the future and there are people as creative sometimes we grow up and we don't feel like we're loved and we don't feel like people understand us and we don't feel like we have uh, a, a platform to speak and be open so forth and so on well that becomes the catalyst of, of of our future and the things that we have to deal with and as long as we understand that 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 journey is ours that if you have some type of issue if you do struggle with depression or anxiety hear me there's nothing wrong with you and you're not devalued you're not less valuable than anybody else this is your journey this is a part of your makeup and you embracing that dealing with it confronting it is a part of your authenticity it's not hear me it's not authentic for you to act like you're perfect but it is authentic for you to be honest about your issues to face them confront them and to not watch me not leave god thinking oh lord you don't love me because i have these issues but to walk with god with these issues and watch him deal with them and watch him deal with you that's the privilege that we have as christians and as believers Yes, I completely wholeheartedly agree. And, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, some, somebody asked me, um, oh, why would you like freely share a testimony or whatever when other people don't share? I said, number one, you know, we overcome the dragon by the word of our testimony and, you know, by repeating your testimony, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Right. And secondly, if you don't admit something, you don't know how many other people are actually dealing with that particular thing, have been through. And that's what happens. There's always this kind of like avalanche. One person said something and you end up with, you know, a hundred other people saying, oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one. Right. And the sooner as a body that we understand that, listen, we, we, in order for us to be able to, to be delivered from something or to confront something or to stop something, it needs to be first addressed. And if we keep saying we're fine or we're okay or covering it up, um, it's going to be a problem. Um, how do you feel about the whole kind of thing where people like cover up each other's sins or failures or stuff? Do you think that that's... Well, I mean, mm -hmm. I think in every community there has to be covering. And I don't mean covering from a demonic standpoint or from an immoral standpoint, but covering from a cultivation standpoint in the sense of... Um, 
um, I think social media, uh, it, 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 it almost uh, encourages us to post just our highlights. And so because of that, sometimes there's this feeling as if people don't go through real life issues and um it's not that that you know we should post that stuff i do think that some stuff should be private um but what i think it does is that it gives people this idea that success is failure list but success is really the culmination and the amalgamation of all of your failures you don't get success without failure and so i think sometimes us covering up our failures or covering up our issues, what it does is that it makes people think that, hey, you can achieve success without any issues, without having any issues, which I think is is not uh, really um, true. So I do think sometimes it can hurt us because we cover things up and we make it seem like people don't go through anything or anything like that. But I also think um, um, sometimes we're covering up issues and we're becoming enablers, meaning that we're creating uh, situations or we're creating environments where our propensities and our perversion, that they actually thrive. And I think that that's a dangerous thing as well. We don't cover sin for the purpose of hiding it so that we can continue in it, but we cover it for the purpose of maintaining people's reputation, making sure that we don't just toss them to the wolves, that we cover them, that we give them the grace of God, that we are examples of the grace of God, and we get them to understand that a just man falls seven times, but he still has the ability and the opportunity to get back up again and to get it right. And so that's why we cover. And every community, whether it's the acting community, whether it's the business community, right now, one of the things that we're seeing in politics and with the Republican Party is covering. Whether it's uh, Donald Trump's crimes, whether it's President Donald Trump's philosophies, the, 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 the Republican Party has made a decision, hey, we're going to cover this man no matter what he does, no matter what he did, no matter what's wrong, no matter what's illegal, we're going to cover him. Well, when you cover sin in that way, you actually create an environment where sin grows, dishonor grows, and where illegal activities can grow. So um, there's good covering and there's bad covering. We cover so that uh, people are not exposed. Uh, We cover so that people aren't uh, judged. We cover so that people can have the opportunity to get it right again. But we got to be careful covering things that people are uh, complicit, people are uh, participating in, and we don't become enablers for people. I don't know if that makes sense. No, uh, yeah, it does. It makes absolute sense. I think there is a difference. And I think sometimes yeah. uh, what I've realized as well is that some people will, will find a fault with everything. So it doesn't matter what you do, whether you decide that you're going to privately cover someone or whether that person's allowed to explain. Listen, I've learned in all my years of being in the church my entire life that you really can't please everyone. So I think as well, sometimes, um, you have to make a decision and then just stick with it, whether it's the decision of the house or whatever covering you have or mentorship or whatever. And it's a decision that has to be made. Um, and as I said, needs to be stuck with because someone isn't going to be happy. People are going to say, yeah. Oh, you're covering up or, Oh, why are you punishing or discipline? Blah, blah, blah. Um, well, I think but, it's, it's yeah. very, sometimes it's very hypocritical because it's like, what do you <laughs> expect me to do? You expect me to get up in front of the church and apologize to people that had nothing to do with what I was doing. You know right. what I mean? If, if, if that's the case, well, why don't we all have just a, a, a big confession service, Sit, uh, put a microphone in the middle of the room and everybody come up and tell us what you were doing last night 
and what you were doing last week, I think that is 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 quite preposterous. I know people that still feel like uh, if somebody get pregnant out of wedlock, they need to come up before the church and they need to get, who <laughs> said that? Like, why? Like, who told you that? When the woman was caught in the act of adultery, they brought the woman, but the man was unaccounted for. And we're not going to continue to allow social norms, gender norms, or even religious norms to cause us to be put into awkward societal situations just for your own, I don't know, your own pleasure of seeing somebody exposed in their issue. And look, because of uh, because of social media, again, because of this reality TV culture, because of this cancel culture, we want to know everybody's dirt. What did they do? And look, not even new dirt. If it's something you did 20 years ago, if it's something you did 15 years ago and we find out, we want to take your family, we want to take your job, fire them from their career, take everything away from them because of their mistake. But if that's if that's true, the Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if you're going to take that person's job, why don't you give up your job too? So I think it's a bit hypocritical. So I think that our job as believers is to cover people, give them grace, but at the same time, make sure that we're challenging them to be all that God has called them to become. Powerful. I definitely agree. I think that is the challenge. The challenge is be all that God has called you to be. And also we manage and we learn as we go, like be able to admit and say, you know what? I don't get it right every time. And I think that God, God loves that, you know, you know, just like we do in our normal relationships, that's how it should be. Um, and when it comes to, you know, being truly authentic, do you think that the church gives us room to do that? Or do you think sometimes it's not always um, welcomed? And how do you cultivate a culture of authenticity in your church and, you know, with the people that you mentor? Well, I mean, I think if you look at the life of Jesus and you look at the original intent, plan and purpose for the church, does the church allow you room to be authentic? 100%. Do people I think that's a different question. And I think that we have to, in order to have a healthy view and perspective of the church, we have to be able to separate the church, the institution, and the idea from the people, from the culture. And, you know, people are the same all over the world. Whether you're in Islam, Buddhism, or Christianity, people are the same all over the world. When I was in Buddhism, people were just as mean, people were just as judgmental. So it's not just in the church. And so I'm saying that to say, do I think the church does Yes, but I don't necessarily think historically religion has. Um, I think the gospel is the best um, 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 platform best canvas. I think that Christianity is the best foundation for flaws. If you have flaws, if you have issues, if you have uh, struggles, Christianity is the best religion for you because the scripture um, uh, deals with it. The scripture uh, talks about it. The scripture says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. He that knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That we have a high priest that can be touched with all the feelings of our infirmities. That he was tempted in all ways that we were, but yet he did not sin. So I think that when you read the scripture, the scripture is so replete uh, with giving us examples of Jesus Christ dealing with sin, Jesus Christ dying for our sin, uh, for the blood. The scripture says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Uh, and so 
you know, his blood, the scripture says, speaks better things than that of Abel. So there is no other religion or faith that deals with the degradation of man, the sin of man, like Christianity. And so do I think Christianity gives us room to be authentic? 100% yes. Uh, when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, the Bible says that he walked in a room that was closed and he was surrounded by his disciples that all thought that he was a ghost. But when, when they thought he was a ghost, you know what Jesus did to prove that he was real? He showed them the nail prints in his hand and he showed them the uh, spear print in his side and said, look, I'm real. You following me? And Jesus demonstrated that level of transparency. I'm going to show you my scars. I'm going to show you my wounds. And get this, I still got all power in my hand, even though I got scars and even though I got wounds. You're not going to find that anywhere. So um, I do think as the church, we can be a bit more accepting of people's journeys. But I think, you know, sometimes the church is more interested in looking good than getting results. And so uh, we have a, a discipleship deficiency. We're not willing to walk with people while they're being changed because we don't want nobody to say, are you walking around with that gay person? Are you walking around with that hoe? You walking around with that, this or that, that or this. And as disciples, remember what Jesus did. Jesus sat with the sinners and the publicans and people said the same thing about Jesus. Like, oh my God, he's a friend of sinners. But that was a badge of honor. Not because Jesus was doing what they were doing, but Jesus could maintain his integrity and his morality being surrounded by a culture that was counter to his core values. And it is that that shows the strength of the gospel that we are not made dirty by being around unclean people. No, unclean people are made clean by us being around them. And once we realize that that is the power of the gospel, we won't allow societal norms or religious traditions to stop our grace, our anointing, and our assignment. That's, that is really powerful. I think that, you know, a lot of us can take definitely note from what you've said about that discipleship element is, is really, really, really powerful. Like being able to walk with people while they're still making the changes, while they're still, you know, working on themselves, which we all are, to be honest. But, you know, you know, obviously there are different times in our life where we need more of that um, than others and I think having that patience um, and not just like having everything look clean but it's not clear on the inside and it's not you know dealt with or issues haven't been um, cleared up and so on and so forth um, is a bit of an issue in the creative community and I really yeah. hope that conversations like this and you know spaces that you've created um, will be able to help with that so I'd love for you to share with us a little bit about the conference and you know who it's for and just your heart behind it. Yes, ma'am. Um, this is our fourth year. Uh, we've been doing Create for four years. Uh, we do a conference that's uh, what I call a spiritual gathering for creatives because, of course, we deal with business, we deal with legality, with excellence, with community. But at the core of what we do, we want to deal with the heart, with the soul, with the mind and the emotions of the creative. And so creatives deal with so much and we're constantly helping other people build their brand. We're constantly helping other organizations. We're constantly helping the church, whether it be singing, uh, preaching, uh, doing lights, camera, dancing, all of the different things that go into making a creative organization what it is. Creatives are usually on the forefront of that. We're usually helping everybody else build their businesses, write their books and do so forth and so on. We rarely have a time to put our gifts down and just to be poured into. So I wanted to create three days where believers could come together, put their responsibilities down, right? Put their gifts down. Nobody's going to judge you based on your gifts, based on your performance, based on what you do. We're just all 
people. Put down your gifts and get poured into. That's number one. That was the first purpose for the creative conference, was just to give creatives a space where they don't have to do anything and they can just get poured into. Number two is community. Uh, creatives need community. God never designed the creative to grow in isolation. Uh, whenever the prophetic gift or whenever the creative the creative gift grows in isolation, uh, they end up uh, uh, magnifying or they end up uh, multiplying uh, their issues and their proclivities and their propensities and their perversions. And so it's important that creatives grow in companies and grow in communities. And so we wanted to create an opportunity for, for people to find meaningful relationships, to find covenant relationships, for them to find uh, confidants and, 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 and people that they could communicate with. And, and challenge and, and, and cover and people that could hold them accountable to their own greatness and to the uh, assignment that God had given them. And number three was networking. Sometimes you're just one graphic designer away from your business being everything that God has called it to be. Sometimes you're only one videographer, one photographer, one, one relationship away from seeing your, your brand and your ministry and your business go to the next level. And so we wanted to create an event where people could get those types of uh, networking opportunities, where they could rub shoulders with some of God's best, with some of God's elites, with some of God's most innovative and creative leaders. And that's what the conference is all about. April 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, 2020, right here in Atlanta, Georgia. 3,000 creatives are coming from all over the world to converge right here um, and to lay their gifts before the Lord and say, Lord, uh, give me the uh, plan. Give me the wisdom. Give me the insight for the next 10 years of our ministry. This year, our theme is from the future, from the future, because I believe that when God raises up a gift, that he raises up a gift from the future, meaning that a gift is not bound by the time that they're raised in. Many times our gifts are what we call ahead of their time. They're ahead of schedule. And so I wanted to talk about the pressures of being a pioneer, the pressure of being uh, a first, the pressures of doing something first, uh, the pressure of doing something that nobody else has done or going where nobody else has gone. How do you, how, how do you get somewhere when nobody's ever drawn a map, when nobody ever has a schematic or a blueprint, you know, and I think that's the generation that we're in. Uh, God is doing something in us that he's never done before. And we're looking at previous antiquated and outdated models as relates to, you know, trying to see what God is doing. And God is saying, nope, I'm not reinventing the wheel. I'm not duplicating what's already been done. What I'm about to do with you, eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. And uh, it hasn't even entered into your generation what I'm going to do, but I'm going to take you uh, and I'm going to use you um, to uh, inspire, to empower, to heal, to deliver. But most of all, I'm going to use you to be a model and a template for those that are coming behind you. So that's what this year is all about. And I'm excited about it. Listen, I, when I first saw the title, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Um, I love the idea. I love the concept. Um, I love what, what everything about it. Um, and um, everyone, I really want to encourage you to go to thecreateconference.com. Um, and there you will find all the information you need. It's going to be in Atlanta, Georgia, as Apostle just said, April the 2nd, 3rd and 4th, um, 2020. I'm going to be there and I'm excited. And, you know, um, people, people say things like, okay, so why would you promote something when you're doing something similar? It's all irrelevant, honestly. There's no such thing as competition. All it is, there are different spaces. This is Atlanta. The, the concept is amazing. I love the idea of from the future. And I truly believe that, you know, we are 
definitely, especially as creatives and visionaries and leaders of this day, a lot of the things that we say are hundred percent are from the future, which is why we began by talking about Joseph and Daniel. And that's what they did. They spoke from the future. They interpreted what men who had been given visions, dreams, who weren't believers, but believers, we are supposed to be interpreting what is happening in the future um, for the people today. So um, guys, go to the createconference.com. I will also link um, all the links in the show notes. So you can go there. You can go on the Instagram as well. Um, and um, if you follow It's Apostle B on Instagram as well, he always has really great insight and the app. I can't talk more. In, <laughs> I can't talk more. Uh, I cannot overemphasize how important it is to get the app. The app's amazing. There's lots of um, teachings and um, there's new ones in there now. I saw something new in there this week. Um, oh, yeah. We're dropping stuff all the time. <laughs> all right. If you guys are listening to this podcast, if you don't have my app, go get the app. It is 100 percent free. All the content is free. There's schools of ministry, school of prayer, school of the prophetic, there's school of dream, a school of purpose and vision. It's, 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 it's amazing. And all you have to do is search uh, my name, Brian Meadows, B-R-Y-A-N-M-E-A-D-O-W-S on your app store, Google android iphone is available everywhere yeah go get yeah. it it's really helpful and the podcast as well um possibly has a podcast as well the angry pastor podcast which is really good it's not just for pastors so those of you listening the majority of people that listen to this are leaders and visionaries so it's perfect for you and you will see me quote it all the time because it's amazing um so thank you so much apostle definitely appreciate you having this conversation with us today and if anyone has any questions how can they follow you on your social media 100% well you can definitely find me at www.brianmeadows dot tv um uh, for booking for information schedule all the different kind of stuff brianmeadows.tv but of course my app as well we always make sure that we uh put our schedule or you find out you know what we're doing from the app instagram it's apostle b it's the same on um uh twitter you can find me on twitter i also have a facebook page just search brian meadows so we're literally everywhere i got a youtube page so search us on youtube so just search us in google find out everything that we're doing show up to everything that we're doing uh this year coming up 2020 we're doing school of revival again uh we're launching convergence our church network of course we got create we got a conference called tsap they shall all prophesy that's happening in texas we got so much that's going on please connect let's walk together let's grow together let's do this thing together so that's how you can connect with me. thank you for listening to the brave powerful and free podcast with me rachel yvonne follow me on instagram at rachel yvonne and stay in touch at rachelyvon.com. See you next time.